So I just showed my wife my first line for this message, and it's simply this, I think my wife is psychic. She said she already knew that. Some of you will get that. Whenever I'm thinking about changing my eating habits, perhaps becoming healthier in what I eat, low carbs, no sugar, somehow she seems to know that, and so she bakes. There will be this moment when I'm getting ready to do so that I begin to become enticed by the, the sweet, savory smell of fresh chocolate chips, gooey cookies coming out of the oven. She did this last night, and I brought them with me. They're still soft. So. As I'm finishing up my second plate, I want to accuse her of having an alliance with Satan. And she then reminds me generally that she's not making those cookies for me. She's making them to send to our children and that she did not force me to eat one. And then she challenges me. She says, put down the plate and walk away. I ignore her. <laughs> About 15 years ago, a guy walked into my office, and we sat down and talked, and he began to tell me that he was having an affair. I said, what makes you think you can have an affair if you're a follower of Jesus? He said, well, if God didn't want me to be tempted with this affair, he wouldn't have put this beautiful woman in front of me. I said, I've got news for you that God didn't create all the beautiful women in this world just for you. And perhaps you should let go of your obsession for something that doesn't belong to you. Put down the plate and walk away. He ignored me. It's called temptation. It is a desire. It is an enticement. Guys, you know that after you look at your budget and know that you have no more money for the month, but yet you come walking out of Dick's Sporting Goods with a new fly rod and try to explain it to your friends, and you'll say something like, yeah, but as I was walking by, it called my name. That's temptation. And sometimes it anemically will perhaps mess up our budget. Other times, temptation will mess up our destiny the thing that God has designed for us. You say, but if God knows that, why would God tempt me if the repercussions are that great? So, so that I'm clear this morning, and you're going to hear this all the way through, so that you know God didn't, excuse me, God didn't tempt you. When it comes to temptation, it's our move. Last week we began dissecting the letter that James the bishop of the early church in the first century, the brother of Jesus. He wrote a letter to his friends who had been under extreme persecution in Jerusalem and as a result had scattered to the eastern side of the Mediterranean. And there he wrote to them because when they arrived to the other places, they still were under intense persecution. And he called it, you're under extreme testing. 
And last week we talked about how we endure those tests. He continues now using the same word, but only he now uses the verb tense, and the verb tense of that testing is actually temptation. He says, I want to talk to you about the moral battles that you fight privately within. So I have a question for all of us right now. Think about it in your head. What is your major temptation? The thing that most profoundly affects you. The thing that you really wouldn't want anybody else to know about. Because what we do with our temptation will affect our quality of life. So James continues, and he says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. James is using this imagery of an athlete who in his his culture, when, when the athlete would win the games, when he win the race, he would receive this laurel wreath, this crown. We use medals these days, but they, they put those upon the athletes. And James is saying, this thing that you face, or these things that you face, because earlier he said these tests and these temptations will come in waves and from various places. He said, when you're dealing with those things, if you endure through them, you will receive a crown of life. And so the question is, why would I want a leafy thing on my head? But he said, understand, this is the crown of life. This is that thing that God designed from you from the very beginning of life that got so messed up with sin that he's going to return it back to you so that you have life the way that God designed it so for you to enjoy that life and to enjoy God and your relationship with him. One that has, has beauty and justice and peace and this really unconditional love where there is no hurt. And he said, that's what I'm going to give to you. And, and we of, of a church tradition have always looked forward to the time when we get through life and that Jesus returns to take his church back with him that we're all going to get these rewards. But I want you to understand that because you have faith that that's going to happen then, that faith makes many of those things possible now. That life can be lived at this moment. So that our quality of living increases even in a world whose quality is decreasing. So as in the game of chess we've been talking about, we talked about last week that whoever captures the king wins the game. And whoever wins, wins and, and takes captive wins that entire battlefield. And, and when he wins, he has this announcement. Well, when you're playing the game and you take the other person's king, the announcement is this checkmate, meaning that person that you oppose is out of moves. There's nothing they can do to win. It's done. So when Jesus and Satan have paired off, Satan, who's called the prince and the power of the air, who has ruled because Adam and Eve, who had the authority in the very beginning, submitted themselves to the wisdom and the counsel of Satan, and therefore Satan took that authority and used it for himself. And this human being, Jesus, fully flesh, God himself now laying aside his godliness, laying aside all the benefits of being God and taking the form of a servant, a human being, he comes and he does battle as a human with this one who, who had previously had destroyed the authority of the humanity. 
And Satan and Jesus are paired off, and Satan, in essence, says to him, check. In chess, that means I've got you cornered, one more move, and you're done. And so Satan, in that effort to bring checkmate to our Creator, throws his greatest move, which is death, upon Jesus, and Jesus absorbs it. Not only does it absorb it, but he also uses it as a chance to walk right into the realm of Satan. And he takes conquering power over this king and rises from the grave, and his very presence coming from the grave and overcoming Satan is checkmate. Satan, you have no other moves left. It's done. Jesus then takes control of the entire board and says, here's what I designed for this board. I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. So if you will follow me, I will show you the moves that you need to make so that you can, you can block out destructive lifestyles, destructive movements in your life, and that you can release this graciousness of God, these life-giving provisions that he has given us. And he says, the place we're going to start is right now. How do you deal with your temptation? Because that is what's going to release my power in your life, how you deal with that. So James continues, and he says this. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. So to the man who thinks that God's putting beautiful women in front of you to tempt you, so that when God stops doing that, then you'll stop sinning, James wants you to understand that God is not susceptible to temptation. He does not have an impulse to sin, and he has no desire to cause it to happen to you. So it boils down to this. The resisting or the embracing of temptation comes down to our move. And our move centers in our soul connection. So at the end of the letter to some friends in Thessalonica, Paul the Apostle writes these words. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body, and if you're taking notes, just circle, spirit, soul, and body, be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Here's God's intention for us, that we be holy, that we be other, that while the world is deteriorating around us, we are growing in quality of life. That there is no deterioration in your spirit or in your body or in your soul. That is his holiness. That is his life moving in you that makes you better than you were before. In fact, Paul the Apostle would write and say that he's changing you from glory to ever-increasing glory, that he is shaping you so well that you're becoming more and more and more and more like God every day. And he says it's going to take place within you, and then he takes who we are and he divides it up into body, soul, and spirit. And I'm going to ask Pastor Don and Pastor Jason to join me on stage because I want them to help me symbolize this for you. Jason, right over here. Don, right there. So this morning... Pastor Don is going to be spirit. The spirit that resides within us, who we are, is that which enables us 
to discern the divine. The Spirit is that which recognizes a God presence. You were worshiping today, and some of you just said, just, it was awesome, it just, I had this sense. Well, that is your spirit responding to a God presence. Some people will say, well, you know, Pastor Jason was talking about some, some words that he was hearing from God to communicate with us. It's not spooky. It's just that his spirit is in tune with that and heard that, same as yours could be or perhaps was during that time. So you, you communicate. In fact, if you've come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the Scripture said you can't do that unless God calls you. Well, the only way you understood that he called you is because your spirit heard that and you understood. So that's what the spirit does. Pastor Jason over here is the body. Hey, body. There you go. The body discerns what is happening in life simply through the senses. What you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you, what you touch, what you smell. It is what God put into us so that we would enjoy the creation he gave us. But it is also the primary means upon which our temptations come. Genesis tells us this, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took off its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. She saw it. She studied it. She obsessed over it. She wanted to taste it. And finally she did. The body responds to that stimuli. Pastor Jason, I know that you've been trying to eat healthy, Mr. Body. Just hold those. Go ahead, hold those. Just, just stare at them. No, I'm serious, stare. How do they look to you? They look good? What do you see there? Chocolate chips. Chocolate chips and touch them. Seriously, just touch them. You push down a little bit. A little soft, aren't they? Yeah, so the gooey kind, huh? Yeah. Ever taste the gooey kind? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're really cool. They're very nice. Yeah, they're not healthy, are they? No. Oh, but they look good. They do. They do. Just take one of those and just rub your tongue on it. Seriously, go ahead. Just rub your tongue on it. Oh, what do you think? Huh? It's, it's good? Yeah? Go ahead, bite it. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bite it. Yeah. How is it? Is that good? Yeah. I'm telling you, if you've had one, you should probably have two. Do you ever get to that spot where you, you ended up doing something and you go, how did I end up here? How did I get to this spot? It started with your senses. You looked and... The bottom line is this, that when you become obsessed or you entertain the enticement and you keep focusing on that, and eventually you become so obsessed with it, when it becomes obsession versus reason, obsession always wins. James describes it this way, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. It's you. I didn't make you do that. Well, I kind of did, but, but if it was real life, I didn't make you do it. James uses this illustration of fishing. 
said that the fish is just doing fine in its own little climate, and suddenly this bait comes by, and the fish really wants that bait. And so he begins to follow the bait, begins to pursue the bait, and finally he reaches out and he grabs the bait, and he's hooked, and he's pulled away from his safety. See, it all depends on your soul and what it's connecting to. I'll be the soul. The soul is where we make our decisions. The soul is our emotions. It's our intellect. It's our personality. It is here that we are self-conscious of what is happening in the spirit realm, and we are conscious of what is happening in our physical realm. And these two realms don't necessarily agree. In fact, they do warfare against each other. See, the body always believes the senses. The spirit believes what God says is good. James writes these words, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. The Spirit understands that anything that is good for us is God-originated. He said everything else around us, and he uses an illustration that you go out and you look at the, the, the constellations today, and, and in a couple weeks you go look and say, well, the moon's in a different place, and everything is shifting up there. But he said the thing about God is it does not, he does not shift, he does not change. And, and the senses are always, always adjusting to the changes. Oh, that looks really good. I'll take that. That looks like that would taste good. No, wait a minute. That would taste good. Look at that thing. Have you seen that thing? Oh, feel this, feel that. Feel This is all. And back and forth we go. And never satisfied because the senses were never made to satisfy themselves. When you finish those cookies, <laughs> will you be healthier? Absolutely. They'll probably taste good on the way through, huh? At least for the first two. With milk. Yes. Oh, yeah. The Spirit. The Spirit holds on to what is God. The body is convinced by the senses. The Spirit is convinced by the Word of God. When Jesus was tempted after 40 days of no food, and Satan said, I know you got the power, make the bread. And Jesus responded, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That is your substance. And the Spirit keeps telling you, God, 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 His Word, God. And your body keeps saying, oh, that looks good, that tastes good, that'll be great, let's go do that. The body wants to guide the soul. Now, here's the problem. Body, come over here. Well, hang on to those. Don't get anything on my shirt. Okay. So now, when, when I connect with, this, with the body, and the body says, hey, we're going to really enjoy this, and, and my soul says, oh, man, that looks good. What happens is I should be, come on over here, spirit, I should be like this. We should be connected this way because we're made to be whole. But when the body begins to dictate and the soul begins to follow and you decide I'm following the body, what happens is God disconnects and we move this way. I am now disconnected from what my spirit wants to say to me. Paul the Apostle writing to the church in Rome says this, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. The spirit, if I'm connected to the spirit, is there to prize and praise and possess God. 
But when I'm connected to the body, the body begins to lead me away and saying, this looks good, this tastes good, this would be great, let's try this. And the culture says, oh, that would be wonderful. So the body says, hey, Riser, you can commit adultery, no big deal. You can have multiple partners, no big deal. You can, you can rip off your boss, no big deal. You can, you can slander that person, no big deal. I'm going, hey, that feels really good. The problem is that God lets go of me and allows me to go that direction and abandons me to that And the further I go with that body and what it's saying to me, the tougher it is to get back. Because what happens is this, unless there is someone who speaks for God, who arrests my attention, or God himself, as in the case of Paul the Apostle, when God met him on the road to Damascus and said, what do you think you're doing? Or even the prodigal son who said he came back to his senses, which means his mind suddenly came to light and said, whoa, what am I doing? It is difficult to get back in that connection. And even after you're back, it is difficult to not be tempted to return back to what tasted and felt so good. For the spirit to be connected, Paul says this to the church at Corinth, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when I come to the spirit and the Spirit has been connecting to God, and I've been giving it opportunity to to learn about God and to read about God and hear His words. And so I'm connected now, and I'm saying, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay connected to what the Spirit is telling me. So I call my body over and say, get over here. And so the Spirit says to me, put down the plate and walk away. And I say to the body, go put down that plate. Get back over here. (laughs) When the Spirit says to me, and the the body's going, hey, hey, you 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 can flirt with that lady. She's married, but go for it, dude. Just go have a drink with her. And the Spirit says, no, because here's what God says, your Creator What I've got to do is bring in alignment my body with what my spirit is telling me, and my soul must make that decision. I must say, no, we're not going to do that. When when I'm tempted, the body says, hey, dude, you've got got to cheat on this exam, this final. If you're you're, going to get your your scholarship for the thing that you need for your master's, you don't know all this stuff. You you partied too much. You've got to take care of this. And my, and my spirit says, no. And, and he tells me what God says. i got to say to the body, you can't go there. You can't do that. When my body says, I'm sick, and the spirit says, hey, by his stripes we are healed, my soul's got to say, hey, let's try to get in line with what the scripture says, and let's get you healed. When, when the body says, hey, you know, just we don't, we, 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 I'm, I'm fearful. We don't, we, we don't have enough. We're not going to make it. And, and the spirit says, no, 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 no. God said he'll provide everything that we need. I've got to say to the body, hey, you can't worry. You can't go, you can't, and you can't steal, and you can't, you, God's going to take care of us. What I've got to do is I've got to align all these three together. And first, I've got to get my soul connected to my spirit, which I keep feeding because now majority rules. And I've got to say to the body, you've got to get in line. Thanks, guys. Here, take your cookies. 
See, our soul connection determines a birth. Did, did, did spirit want a cookie? Uh-huh. I think soul needs to have a talk with you. Our soul connection determines a birth. See, our choices are just not sterile choices. King David of Israel was supposed to be warring and worshiping when he was stalking. He's obsessed with this woman who is bathing, and because of his powerful influence, he seduces her. He impregnates her in an effort to cover what he has just done. He tries to trick her husband into thinking that he, the husband, had impregnated her. It didn't work, and so finally... David gives the word to have the guy killed in battle. Put him at the front lines, pull back, let him be killed. The prophet then, oh, and then, then he says, okay, the lady's husband's dead, I'll take her to be mine. The prophet shows up and says, you know what you did? God knows what you did. And he confronts him and he says, now this will be the consequence. The baby that is being born by the woman you impregnated will die. It was a physical consequence of a spiritual reality. For James says this, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. See, we say, oh, the desire feels so good. It's just, it's just great. And so the soul says, yeah, that'd be fun. Spirit says, no, don't. And the soul says, no, just this one time. And so you give way to desire. Desire gives way to sin. And sin brings death. Because when we sin, sin wants to kill everything that God says is good. So you may think, I'm the woman good over here, just these little things over here that I'm doing that aren't right. And when God sees that, he says, hey, 80%, we're good. Please understand that that 20% is destroying everything good that God put in you. That's like saying, I've cleaned my house but left two snakes. Sin wants to destroy everything that's good. So what is good? I refer back to verse 18 that we read earlier. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. So I say, we don't talk about first fruits. What's first fruits? First fruits is this. First fruits means it's the beginning of everything else that's going to follow just like it that's good. So Pam and I have been here walking with families and loving you, and we're in our 19th year walking around with you and enjoying life and watching what God's doing. And we've watched families, and we've seen people grow, and we observe so I've been watching this family for a couple years now, and I'm just really impressed with their middle schooler. Middle school is not a fun place to be a lot of times. There's a lot of changes going on, and, and even now, especially in this generation, there's stuff they're dealing with that we never had to deal with at my age, it, it, at least at that age they are now. A lot of challenges. And what I've noticed about their middle schooler, this girl, is that She's really endeavoring to feed her spirit and align her thinking with the spirit so that it controls what the body wants to do. And so she spends time studying what God's words are so she can 
feed that. And she, I think she's really doing a good job at it. I mean, she's going to have the usual stuff that happens as a middle schooler, but there's just an amazing thing happening. And, and, and what's happening is that she's doing that because she's observing it in her parents' life. Now, her parents, uh, this is a blended family. And both, both parents have come from broken relationships and divorce. And it's been pretty intense. The husband of that relationship also had to deal with severe addiction. They came into this relationship with Jesus, and Jesus began to tear away all of the junk that was on them, and they began to see that. But they got to the spot that they realized that just because I got, I've had this forgiveness of sins, it doesn't mean that I just stopped doing something. There is a whole journey involved, which is me connecting to the Spirit and, and feeding that Spirit and making the right choices, which will affect my body. And so they've been endeavoring to do that. She is learning to do that because she's watching them. They are first fruits. And their daughter is learning how to release life-giving provisions into her own life, even in the age of middle school, because she's been watching them. Now, they could have, they could have stayed in temptation. They could have blamed, she could have blamed her ex-husband. You know, I'm this way because of the way he treated me, and that's and so she could have blamed him. The dad here could, could blame his addiction. His addiction is just, it's tough, and it's just, I can't, sometimes it's just a mess, and they could blame that. They could, they could blame the church because the church is so imperfect. And so, oh, look at the church, and these people are hypocrites, or they should have done, and, and so they could blame that. They, they could blame God. They can say, well, he hasn't responded soon enough, and, and, so, and, and so I'm having this issue, I'm having this problem because God's not responding like he should respond. They could be blaming all of those issues, but they don't. You know what they do? They feed their spirit God's word. Their soul, their will says what God says we're going to try to do. It doesn't mean they're perfect in the process. They do fail. But they get back up again because God's forgiveness keeps applying itself to us. And they say to their bodies, here's what we're going to do. And in doing so, they bring life to themselves and to their families and to all the people that they are part of community with. So I asked you earlier, what is your greatest temptation? And who are you blaming? So I think it's time for you to recognize that if you continue to follow the body, you will never be satisfied and you draw farther and farther away from life. But if you will now say whatever it takes, and we have ways to show you, we have mentors, we have classes, we, have, we are here for that to show you how to feed this spirit and you connect your soul to that and say, here's what the Scripture says. And i got to warn you, you just can't do that by showing up here on Sunday morning because that won't do it. This is just the appetizer to get you going. This is a daily deal. But don't you think it's time that you connect in that way because then you'll eventually hear this voice that will say to you, 
put down the plate and walk away. And you have a choice. You can either find life or ignore God. The choice is yours, but it is your choice. It's your move. Would you stand? If you are stirred and challenged and you don't know what to do with it, we have staff, we have elders, we have leaders willing to talk with you. You can see us after service. We'll get somebody connected to you. You can come see us in the office, whatever. We'll walk you through this, but don't let it go by. And you know, you who know what to do and you're not doing it this week, begin to do it. In fact, find somebody you trust and say, here's what I've got to do and begin making that change in your life. So now may you understand in greater dimension the love that God has for you. His sacrifice of giving his life for you, that he could pour his life into you. May you hear through your spirit God's great love and plan, and may you have the courage to choose wisely. And may you find that your senses and your body are under the control of God as you yield to him. And may you find great joy in his existence around you and his love in you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.